Welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Grove Church Podcast. My name is Pastor Nick and I have the honor and privilege of pastoring the Grove Church right here in Fontana, California. Here at the Grove, our vision is to see our community grow closer to Christ, be givers like Christ, and reintroduce the lost to Christ. And my prayer is that as you listen to this message, you will be encouraged, you'll grow a little in your faith, and you wouldn't just hear the word, but you would become a doer of the word. But I wouldn't just stop there. I encourage you to share this message with your friends, family, coworkers, neighbors, and anyone else you can think of. And after you do that, follow us on social media and visit our website at yourgrovechurch.org to learn more about who we are as a ministry and how you can get involved and plugged in right here at The Grove. I'm excited for you to hear this message. I can't wait. So get your notes ready and let's dive all the way in together. All right, so we are starting in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 today. So the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is where we are going to start our message. And we're going to look at verses 14 through 21. If you are looking for 2 Corinthians, you can find it right after 1 Corinthians. So you got to find 1 Corinthians first. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is where we are going to start um, and here's what it says. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 14. It says, either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Look at your neighbor say, who are you living for? You should no longer be living for yourself. Instead, they will live for Christ who died, was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a new person. If you belong to Christ. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who, was, who has brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer continuing people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Verse 20, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. So here's what we're talking about today. Today we are talking about we are all bridges. Look at your neighbor and say, we are all bridges. We are all bridges. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this word today. 
God, I pray that you would deliver this word. Allow me to deliver this word the same way you gave it to me, God, full of life, full of encouragement, full of your spirit. And so, Lord, we pray that we wouldn't just hear the word today, but we would become doers of this word, just like the book of James tells us. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. So we are all bridges. Now, unless you have been living under a rock the past few days, um, you are aware that after 70 years, after 70 years of reigning as queen, the queen is dead. <laughs> I don't mean to say it that way. That was a little harsh. But after 70 years of reigning as queen, the queen of the British monarch, Queen Elizabeth II, died on September 8th. And so as you can imagine, um, there have been, I mean, just considering her age, right? Like it's not, you know, sometimes when people pass away, it's like, oh man, gone too soon. Or, oh man, like they have so much life to live. I mean, she was 96. It, it was... It was about time. And so I say that to say that there were long, long ago, I'm sure there were plans made in the event that this would happen. So I'm sure they were preparing like, okay, so when this happens, we're going to do X, we're going to do Y, we're going to do Z. There was probably a plan in place already to handle an event like this before. And so she was 96 years old. So if they weren't planning or preparing for this to happen, then they were planning to fail the succession. And so there was already a plan in place, succession in mind. Her son, her eldest son, King Charles, well now, well, Prince Charles, now King Charles takes over the throne. And so um, what is interesting about this succession plan or planning period in the British monarch is that every member of the royal family actually has a contingency plan. So what does that mean? It means every member of the family has a plan in place. So if they were to die, this would happen, and then this, then that. So every single member, including um, Prince William, who will become king after Charles passes away. So every single one has a contingency plan. Um, they have their own plan, and they also have their own code name for this plan. And these code names are the bridge. It's, it's called the bridge. So if you were to Google the bridge in British monarchs, it is the plan that details what happens after each person in the royal family passes away. So it, it's called a death code word. And so it's kind of like, um, I don't know, what is the, the president of the United States has like a code word? Like they call him POTUS for short, or they might say... Um, Air Force One or whatever it is, they have a co-word. So the, the British monarch, every member of the family has a death code word for each member. And it's different. And the impetus for us, it is the impetus for a set of procedures that are immediately put into place following their death. So for instance, last year, Prince Philip, who was the queen's husband, passed away. And so his code word was fourth bridge. And so how this works is if, if the... Uh, if the, um, why am I blanking? Uh, anyway, when they pass away, someone will send out the code word for the bridge. And that lets them know, oh, so-and-so has died. And so for the queen, here's what happened. For the queen, her code word was, it can only be one thing for her. 70 years, 96 years old, her code word was London Bridge. 
And so when the queen passed away, the prime minister, which I was blanking on, the prime minister receives a very simple message that says London Bridge. And that basically means the queen has died. And so this, this went out. The prime minister received this message, London Bridge, uh, and it is invoked. Uh, it invokes the next steps after her death. This means that the new monarch, King Charles, meets with the prime minister and other important officials in the country. Um, just to kind of explain this more in depth, in the, in the Netflix series, The Crown, if you watch the Netflix series, The Crown, they talk about this early on in his life. Prince Charles um, was in an accident and they thought he was going to die. They thought he, he had gone missing in a skiing, I think it was, accident. Somewhere in the snow, they thought he had passed away. So in The Crown, they reenact this scene. And so the actor and actress who plays the queen and her husband are sitting at the dinner table and the queen's secretary comes in and says, every member of the royal family has a contingency plan, as you know. And then he describes that this is no exception for the prince whose, who, whose plan is called Manai Bridge. So for the queen, it's London Bridge. For her husband, it is Fourth Bridge. For Charles, it would be Manai Bridge. And so in this scene, the secretary says, this is no exception from Manai Bridge. So at this time, the queen's husband asks the question, what, why the bridge? Why bridge? He's basically questioning, why is the code name bridge? And in this scene, the queen says, very simply put, um, we are all bridges, is what she describes. She says, we are all bridges. The choice of name was, was to suggest a link between the life and the next. So she has this moment with her husband where she's obviously somber and having a moment where she may have to reconcile with her son passing. And she, she bravely says, like, we are all bridges. Again, the choice of name was to suggest a link between this life and the next life. And so I was, as I was preparing for this week, I started thinking like, where does the bridge show up or bridge or some reference to bridge show up in scripture? And there's not a, an explicit um, mention of bridge, but one of the things that I came across that I thought was really interesting is this quote in it, and it basically describes the symbolic nature of a bridge. And here's what it says. It says, a bridge is inherently symbolic of communication and union whether it be between heaven and earth or two distinct realms. For this reason, it can be seen as the connection between God and man. And again, this is just a description of a bridge, a literal bridge. It may be the passage to reality or merely a symbol for travel and crossing. And so a bridge is symbolic. If we were to see a bridge in scripture or, or someone's describing a bridge, it can have many different meanings. And the symbolic meaning is, again, connection between God and man. While we don't see this literal bridge, we do see Jesus being a bridge throughout scripture. And here's another quote that I love. It says, Jesus came to build bridges to sinners and save them. He built bridges to fishermen, lepers, prostitutes, and tax collectors. He built bridges to those who were sick, hurting, and hopeless. And thank God he built bridges to you and to me. So while the Bible doesn't describe a literal bridge, it does describe Jesus and all the actions and, and miracles and things that Jesus does in scripture is a symbolic 
uh, view of what a bridge is supposed to be. It's meant to be a connection between God and man. And so when we describe today that we are all bridges, we all have this work of reconciliation that the text that we read describes. We've all been given this work of reconciliation. And what does that mean? It means we are all responsible for helping others come to know Jesus Christ. Like it's very simple. So when we describe that we are all bridges, when we look at Jesus as a bridge who does all of these different things in scripture, really with the end game in mind to bring people closer to him and to God and to save people, we have that same responsibility. And so we are all bridges. When Paul describes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that God brought us back to himself through Christ and God has given us this task of reconciling people to him um, and that we are Christ's ambassadors, when he's describing all these things, he's essentially, he's essentially saying that we are all bridges between the lost and Jesus Christ. And we know this because scripture also calls us co-heirs or co-laborers with Christ which means it's not only Jesus's or the Holy Spirit's responsibility to bring others. We have a purpose. And like we've said over and over and over, regardless if your purpose is singing, regardless if your purpose is dancing, regardless if your, if your purpose is, you know, communicating with, regardless of what your purpose is, at the end of the day, your purpose amounts to and should amount to bringing people closer to Jesus. So with your voice and your singing, you're worshiping and you're worshiping and singing songs about God. And it's meant to encourage and inspire other people to come closer. If you are someone who is, who is, uh, your purpose is in hospitality, your kindness is not just for yourself, but your kindness is to help people see Jesus. Right. So through my purpose and through my gifts and through what I've been called to do, my purpose in the end game is to bring people closer to Christ, regardless of what that purpose is. We are the link to Jesus for those who may never know him outside of our connections. Right. So you might be and we've described this before often. And I love this quote that says you might be the only Jesus someone sees. In your workplace, with their friends, coworkers, whoever it is, you might be the only Jesus that they ever encounter, which means my actions and my behaviors and my words and every part of my being should reflect Jesus Christ, right? If I am going to win others to Christ, it has to start with the outside, right? So people see who I am, they recognize who I belong to. And from there, it starts this relationship where people start to inquire, what is it about you that's different? What is it about you that, that is, that is, uh, so set apart from other people that we might come encounter with, right? So it starts with people inquiring about what's on the inside of me. And from there, it opens the door for me to bring people closer to Jesus, right? So it doesn't matter where it's at. Like even in the workplace, like I had a conversation with someone this past week who um, Christian goes to church and they were describing to me the challenge that they were having um, bringing Jesus to work. And essentially they were describing this fear of what will people think about me? What will people say about me? Will I get in trouble? And one of the things that he was describing is that he would pray to God and he's been praying for the last few days and, and he had set out and he said, you know what, I'm, I'm just going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to pray. Aside from this fear that he was describing to me, it was basically just like, I, I want to start a prayer journey and so I'm going to pray and the goal is to really hear from Christ. 
And so he described that he prayed for three days and he hadn't heard anything. And on the third day, he was getting frustrated and he was getting angry. And he starts to, you know, kind of get upset with God. And he said, this was one of the first moments that I heard God audibly. And and what God said to him is, I've been trying to get close to you. I've been trying to reach you for the last 35 years. And you've been praying for only three days and you're upset with me. And so in this moment, this was not what he expected to hear, but this is, this is him hearing from God. Remember, his prayer was, I want to hear from God. And while in this moment, he's being convicted because he's getting upset with God over praying for three days and not hearing the answer, God is like, I've been trying to use you for 35 years and you don't see me getting upset with you. And this moment of him having this audible voice speak to him was a moment where he recognized like, man, this is, this is probably what I needed to hear in order to feel the confidence to, to bring Jesus to work. Like if I am, if God has been trying to reach me for 35 years and yet he's still sustained me, he has still kept me all these years, even though I wasn't doing what he was, what he's called me to do. This is an opportunity for me to turn all of that around and start doing what God has called me to do, even in the workplace, regardless of my fear, regardless of my worry. And so he, he uses, he starts to cry in this moment and he's like, I'm realizing what this is all about. I'm realizing that my fear and being paralyzed by bringing the gospel to work is I realize that it is actually my purpose. And I've been running away from purpose this whole time. And so this idea, again, of being a bridge is that I am here to help bring people closer to Christ. One of one of the parts of our vision is is to uh, reintroduce the lost to Christ. And in order to do that, I, ha- I have a responsibility. We all have a responsibility to play in this. That means that regardless of the environment, regardless of the individual, I want to help that person experience Jesus. I am a link between Jesus and that person. There are people in our lives that God has allowed us to come across. Think about that for a moment. The friends that you have the people that you've experienced, the, the, the individuals that you've had the opportunity to meet in your lifetime, all of this is divine. All of this is not by surprise. All of this is by design. Every single person that you have come in contact with is by design. And I believe that every single person we come in contact with, there is a purpose for us to share something about the good news with that person. So while we see these relationships as trivial and we see these relationships as maybe serving us, at the end of the day, as believers in Jesus Christ, we have to be serving the other individual in the relationship, which means I can't look at my even my manager as someone who is just here to manage me. I have to look at my manager as potentially someone to evangelize, someone that I can share the gospel with, if not outright in conversation through my behavior and who I am as a person, I need to be showing that person who Jesus is. The neighbor that you live next to, it's not just for them to annoy you by parking on your side of the lot or by parking in your driveway. No, there's a reason why these relationships are being put in front of you. And God is trying to get something out of these relationships and he wants to use you to do that. Right. So Paul is describing this work of reconciliation and saying that it was given to us as believers. Like he's giving you a job to do. He's giving you a task to do. And it might come in different forms. But at the end of the day, he's giving you a task to accomplish. And and it's and it's packaged in your purpose. 
Jesus, obviously, obviously, Jesus is the example of what a bridge looks like, right? Think about the woman, uh, the woman who, the woman who had sinned and, and people wanted to stone her because she was a sinner. Like Jesus in that moment could have been like, oh yeah, let's do it. Like you, let's see who can find the biggest rock and let's, let's go after it. She deserves it, right? But this is not what Jesus does. Jesus becomes a bridge in this moment and he saves this woman and he does it in the form of really pointing at the other individuals who wanted to stone her and like, hey, those who are without sin can cast the first stone. In other words, like if you are perfect and you have not sinned and you have not done anything wrong, okay, you are first in line to stone this woman. And what he was doing is he was creating a bridge for this woman. And the thing about bridges and what is important about Jesus and giving the example of creating the bridge is that the bridge wasn't just, okay, let's not condemn her for her sin. Let's not beat her up or criticize her for her sin. Let's love this person. But at the same time, what does Jesus do in this moment? He points out to her that she should go and sin no more, right? So he's having this moment where he's like, I'm not going to condemn you for what you've done and who you've been and your behavior. I'm going to love you in spite of it, but I want you to know that there's some course correction that needs to happen here. And so go and sin no more. But Jesus is the perfect example of a bridge and, and this bridge that we have to be thoughtful about emulating, right? That's the whole purpose of being Christians is that we are Christ-like. And so some of us might say things like, well, I'm not Jesus, I'm not Jesus, that's Jesus and Jesus forgives and I'm not Jesus. I, but the reality is that we are supposed to be Christ-like. So my efforts and my behavior and my attitude, all of that should be some have some resemblance of Jesus Christ, even in being this bridge for people, I have to be somewhat a resemblance of Christ, right? Jesus comes to serve others. He comes to help others. He doesn't judge others. He provides a way out for others. And the list goes on and on and on and on. These are all the things that Jesus does. And he's showing us in scripture, the behavior and the things that we should be emulating as believers, if we're going to be bridges, if we're going to be this connector for people to Jesus, we've got to emulate him in our, in our actions, in our behaviors. We are called to be this bridge. And there's, there's a few things about bridges that we, that, that we can kind of keep in mind, right? So you might be asking, well, how do I do this? How, how do I become a bridge? How do I help people come and find Jesus. How do There's a few things that we have to keep in mind when it comes to this topic. And the first thing is this, that bridges are built on purpose, right? So whether you feel like you've done this well up to this point or not, whether you feel like in your 30, 40, 50, 60 plus years living life, if you feel like, man, I, I haven't connected anyone to Jesus. The reality is that if you have a purpose, if God has given you any kind of purpose, then you are meant to build bridges. You are meant to be a bridge, right? Because uh, bridges are built on purpose. And it's a double entendre, right? Because they are built on purpose. They are not an accident, right? Build it, build it, bridges, when they are built, are not an accident. It's not just, oh, we stumbled on this bridge, and so, okay, I guess we can use it for this purpose. No, there's a purpose for a bridge being built. Not only that, but they are built with a purpose uh, there, there's a use case for them, right? So that there's something that they're supposed to do. They have a purpose. You are the same way. You were not an accident. 
You were not created for no reason. You were not an oops or a stumble upon. You were built on purpose. You were created on purpose. God had a plan for you long ago before you were even born. So you are built on purpose. And not only that, but you have a purpose. Look at yourself and say, I have a purpose. There you go. Figure it out. Mirror, <laughs> look down at yourself. But I have a purpose. I am built on purpose with a purpose. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 15, right? Here's what, um, here's what Paul tells us. He says, look, he died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So this is all purposeful. This is purposeful intent. Jesus's life on the Christ is purposeful. There is intentionality behind Jesus dying on the cross. It is not an accident. It's not Jesus being ambushed in the garden like, like, uh, like we, we may oftentimes misinterpret. Jesus does not uh, get ambushed. Jesus is not surprised by the Pharisees coming to get him in the forest. Jesus is a willing participant because there was intentionality behind our lives. And there's a purpose for us in doing that. In doing that, in Jesus dying on the cross, he recognizes that without me doing this, without me sacrificing my life for you people, your purpose and who you are may never come to fruition. So he's an active participant on the cross for our purpose. And so it's the same way for us as, 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 build, as, as bridge builders. We have to do it on purpose, right? There, there has to be purposeful intent be, behind us building bridges, connecting people to Christ. So every single day, so how do I do this on purpose? Every single day that I encounter someone that I, I, I am either 100% or even 50% sure that they don't know Jesus, I have a purposeful intent to minister to this person. And ministering is just really a big word for sharing the gospel, right? Like it doesn't have to be you laying hands on people. It doesn't have to be you preaching and bringing out your Bible and sending people down and having a service in your workplace or in your neighborhood. No, what it really means is that me, myself, I need to live in such a way that inspires people to want to know what's on the inside of me. And when the opportunity presents itself, when the door opens, I need to walk in that door and introduce people to Jesus. Right. So the coworker at work that I was describing who was praying and getting upset with God, one of the things that I described to him is like, listen, God is going to open the door for you to minister to people here. You don't have to do it by yourself. You don't have to figure out how to make it work. God will open the door. And at that point, your responsibility is to walk through that door. Right. How many of us have had the door open and yet we have chosen not to walk through it? And that might look like being at the gas station and seeing someone who needs food and, and you speed walking past them like, okay, have a good day, have a good day. Or you at the gas station and someone is coming through and asking for money and you see them across the way like, oh shoot, let me get in the car and close the door. All of that, God is opening a door for you to evangelize and to minister to people. Like while that person might be looking for change, it's an opportunity for you to introduce them to change by introducing them to Jesus. Right. So all of that is purposeful intent. So you have to be thoughtful about building bridges on purpose. It's not just you um, stumbling on it. It is you walking through that door on purpose, choosing to help people come to know who Jesus is. Uh, bridges are built strategically with an end game in mind. 
So every relationship I have should have an end game in mind. What am I trying to get out of this relationship? I'm trying to get people to Jesus. I'm not just in it for what they can do for me. I'm not just in it for, for how, it, how it helps me and how it ups my status, but I am in it to share something with them. There's some strategic thought behind it. Bridges are also meant to connect things, right? So I am, I am here to bring one side closer to Jesus. I am here to create a pathway for others to experience Christ. I want to help connect my friends who don't know Jesus to one of my best friends that is Jesus. I want to develop those relationships with people. So I am, I am here to connect. Bridges are also meant to help people get over things, right? In most cases, it's water. Most cases, it's, 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 uh, it's traffic or something or something that can be weighty or something that can be difficult or challenging to get through. A bridge is oftentimes built, uh, built to make it easier to get over those things. So as, as a bridge, I am here not only to, to, to help people find Jesus, but I'm here to help them find their way out of troubling circumstances. Right. I have a lot of people who will talk to me at work about uh, what is going on in their life and the challenges they have in their life and and how they have to bring this stuff to work and how it weighs on them. And oftentimes it'll result in people having to take like a mental leave or, or, or some respect. But anytime I'm having those conversations, I always ask God, like, what is what is the opening? What is the window? What is the door? What is the what is the doggy door? Even if you give me a sliver of 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 open door in this conversation, I'm going to walk through it and I'm going to present Jesus. So I was having a conversation with the gentleman who was going through some um, I won't say what he was going through just in case someone is listening to this. But he was going through something challenging and um, in the moment, in the conversation, he he started to describe like, uh, like, you know, I believe in Jesus and I believe that things don't happen uh, uh, by accident. And he was like, oh, I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to bring like Jesus to work. And I was like, listen, that is that's all I was waiting for, because the conversation then changes from work related conversation to, OK, let's talk about Jesus in the workplace. Like if if you know Jesus, if you are aware of his healing power and the peace that he provides, like this is the perfect conversation we should be having in this moment. And so anytime there's a sliver of hope to bring Jesus into this conversation or into an interaction, I try to do that because I know that there's only one way to get over troubles. There's only one way to get through your problems. There's only one way to make it through with peace. There's only one way out of our circumstances, and that is Jesus. As a bridge, I want to help people get over difficult situations. And we've got to avoid building bridges to nowhere. Right. I've got to avoid building relationships and building connections that don't lead to Jesus. Again, if I'm not doing that, like what, the, the, the purpose of these relationships, the purpose of connecting with people, the purpose of finding commonality and becoming friends and and hanging out. There's got to be a purpose on the end of that. It can't just be the superficial. Here's the here's what we get from this. But there's got to be this bridge has got to be built some where it's got to be leading to something. So we've got to avoid building bridges to nowhere. The next thing that we have to understand about bridges is that bridge, bridges are built to last. 
They're built to last. So these connections that I'm building and being a bridge for people from, from their circumstances to Jesus and finding and introducing them to Jesus, that is a connection that is being built to last. I am being built to last. When I am uh, serving Jesus Christ, when I am living a Christ-centered life, my whole purpose is, is it is a lifestyle. It's not just temporary, right? It's not just on Sunday, but it is meant to to be built over the course of my life. And so Monday through Sunday, I am building bridges. Monday through Sunday, I am a bridge. Monday through Sunday, I am doing something to help bring others closer to Christ. It is not just a temporary thing. There is, there is some, some purpose behind it. And, and the way I am building my life and the way that I am I'm building myself up to, to live on purpose should last. In Matthew uh, chapter 7, let's look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27, kind of gives us an indication of how our lives should be built, right? When we're talking about things being built to last. In Matthew chapter 27, or Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27, Jesus is having this conversation with his disciples, and here's what he says to him. He says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. And so I am building my life on his word. When I'm building bridges or when I'm connecting people, it is being built on his word so that it is built to last. There's a, um, <laughs> this is an, and, uh, there's a, there's a bridge in China uh, that was built out of glass and the floor was built out of glass. And as you can imagine, there's a capacity for this bridge right? And anytime a bridge has a capacity, it's almost like, ah, what's the purpose, right? So the capacity was like 8,000 people at a time on this bridge. Well, the bridge ended up getting shut down because they had 10 times that amount of visitors. And so they had to shut the bridge down because it was overwhelmed. If we are building our life on sand, we will eventually be shut down and won't be able to do what God has called us to do. If we are building our life on a strong foundation on his word and the bridge that I am building and the purpose of these relationships that I'm building is purposeful and God is on the other side of it, then there's no way that it can be overwhelmed and it can be sustained. And so I can last and, and it's not just a temporary thing, right? Like oftentimes when we get saved for the first time, we're on this high and we're so excited. And for the first week, it's like, man, we are super saints. And then the moment we run into some trouble, we end up fading and all of a sudden we stop coming to church and all of a sudden we stop reading our Bible. And all of a sudden it's like, well, I, I know of Jesus but I don't know Jesus for myself. And that is, a, that, is a, uh, that is almost the definition of building your life on sand. You've got to build your life on strong 
foundation so that you can last. If I'm connecting people to Jesus, the last thing I want to do is live a superficial life. And then that person sees me living a certain way and now becomes influenced in a negative way to how I'm living. If I'm building bridges and I want to help people come to know Jesus, then I have to live a life style that is focused on Christ. Right. It's not just a Sunday thing. It's not just an, uh one day of the week, but it is every day of the week I should be living this way. We shouldn't build bridges uh, that that will end up burning and crashing and, and falling and and then leading other people to burn and crash and fall like we should be lit. We should be building bridges that are meant to last over time. Here's another thing that we have to know about bridges. Bridges are built, aren't built alone, right? I'm not doing this by myself, right? It's not just me. I just, I, it's not just my responsibility. All of us as believers have a responsibility to build bridges, right? Because, and we've said this before often, but I will impact people that you won't. You will impact people that I won't. So the people that you will reach, the people that you will connect to, the people that you will resonate and who will resonate with you, that is, that is your field. That is your purpose. That is your group. You have to do your part because if you don't do your part in being a bridge, then what happens to those people, right? There's people that you will connect with that I will not. I have to do my part because there's people that you won't connect with. There's people who will resonate with me and my story that won't resonate with yours. So I can't fail. I have to do what God has called me to do in order to help those people come to find Christ. Every single one of us has a field or an audience or individuals that God has purposed for our life that we have to be serving. We have to. Their lives depend on it. Their eternity depends on it. And so it's not just about me doing it by myself because I'm pastor of a church. No, it's about you all doing it as well. You have that responsibility. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, here's what it says. It says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. So we are ambassadors. So not only is it about every single one of us living out on purpose, but it is also about the fact that we are being sent by God. We are ambassadors. So he has our back. So anytime we approach a situation that feels scary or it feels daunting or it feels like, man, I don't want to be embarrassed by introducing Jesus in this space. We have to remember that God is with us in these moments, that we are not going out by ourselves, but God is sending us out. Again, we are ambassadors. And so there's two definitions of, of the word ambassador that are really important. One is an accredited diplomat sent by a country as its official representative to a foreign country. Number two, a person who acts as a representative or promoter of a specified activity. So you are being deputized. You are accredited. You have everything necessary to go into foreign places and introduce Jesus Christ to those places. Those who don't know Jesus, those foreign individuals, you have every right as an accredited, deputized uh, follower of Jesus Christ, an heir of Christ, to go into those spaces and introduce Christ in those spaces. 
Not only that, but you have a specified activity that you should be bringing to those spaces, right? Like what is our goal at the end of the day? Our goal at the end of the day is the Great Commission. And that is to tell people about the life the, or the birth, the life, the death, and burial of Jesus Christ and the end, the coming again of Jesus Christ. All of that is tied into, you know, what we are called to do as ambassadors. So it is not just us. We're not going on our own volition or our own accord, but it is God sending us out with this purpose. So we are not alone. We're not doing this by ourselves. It takes a team to build a solid bridge. So between you and God, between myself and God, between all of us in this room and God, we are a team building bridges to bring people closer to Christ. The Bible describes us as co-laborers with Christ, which means we don't have to build alone, right? And if I'm a co-laborer with Jesus, of all people, the last thing I wanna do is be the type of coworker that's taking a break every 10 minutes. Right. The last thing I want to be is that coworker that's supposed to take a 45 minute lunch and I'm going on hour two and I ain't come back to the office yet. The last the, the last person I want to be when it comes to being a co-laborer of Christ is a type of coworker who is doing TikTok dances in the parking lot instead of being back at my desk. Right. Like that is the last type of coworker I want to be as a co-laborer with Christ. I want to get employee of the month. I want to be the kind of coworker who goes the extra mile. I want to be the kind of coworker that does more than what is required. And it may mean less work for Jesus to do. Like, I want to be that type of coworker that's just bringing people to Christ often and bringing people to know who Jesus is often. And that takes a lot of work. It's not like a, an overnight thing. It takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of patience and it takes a lot of time. But at the end of the day, if you are willing to be a vessel who's going to carry this vision and carry this purpose and carry this gospel forward, God will use you and get the best out of you. But we are co-laborers with Christ, which means we don't have to do it alone. The bridges that we build are only effective because of the Holy Spirit, right? Like I, I, I can build a bridge, but it's that old saying, right? I can lead you to the water, but I can't force you to drink it. So I can build the bridge and I can tell you about Jesus. At the end of the day, my responsibility is not to force people to come to know Jesus. And I think oftentimes we get discouraged about sharing the gospel because we share it with one person. They're like, oh, okay, cool. That's great. That's good to, that's good to hear. All right. Or, or someone even like, oh, I don't want to hear about your Jesus. Like my purpose is to share. That is it. My purpose is not to force people or make people come to know who Jesus is. That is not my purpose. My purpose is to be willing to share the good news and the gospel. And you know what happens from there? The Holy Spirit goes to work from there. So you can think of it like if you if if anyone is familiar with baseball uh, and if you're not, I'll try to make it very simple. But in the game, you have a starting pitcher and that starting pitcher's responsibility is to make sure the other team doesn't score for as long as possible through the nine innings. Now, if for some reason that starting pitcher gets tired or that starting pitcher starts to fade, then they have what is called a reliever or even a closing pitcher. Well, your responsibility when it comes to the gospel is to be the starting pitcher, right? So I am going to share the gospel. I'm going to do my part. I'm going to share the gospel. The Holy Spirit's responsibility is to close the game out. 
So in other words, when I get to this point where I've shared the gospel, I can now turn the game over to the Holy Spirit to finish the job and do the rest. And he, and that is the position he wants to play, right? At the end of the day, the Holy Spirit is a helper, not only a helper for us in our time of trouble, but he's also a helper in these moments too. So when I have done my part in sharing the gospel, the Holy Spirit comes in and does the rest, but we have to be responsible and accountable for doing our part. We don't have to do it alone, but we do have a part to play in building bridges. The next thing is that bridges require upkeep. When bridges fall or when bridges deteriorate or when bridges, and you've probably seen pictures of like a bridge collapsing or something, but when this happens, a lot of times it's an indication that proper maintenance has not been done and any bridge that's built should require or have some requirement for some periodic type of maintenance. And why am I bringing this up? I bring this up because as believers, you also require some maintenance. If you are building bridges and you're connecting people to Jesus, you require some maintenance because the enemy is always going to come and try to deteriorate your purpose and who you are. And so you require some upkeep and upkeep means like looks like you filling your cup. You have to make sure that if you are pouring out to other people, that you are being responsible and accountable to yourself for filling yourself up. Right. The, the moment you go out and you're draining yourself, you can't give to anyone else if you don't have anything to give. And so you have a responsibility to yourself to do some preventative maintenance, to fill yourself up, to have your own regular rhythm of connecting to Jesus, not just connecting others to Jesus, but you got to be connecting yourself to Jesus frequently and often as well. You have to have your own devotional rhythm and, and, and not just be telling other people about devotionals that they should be doing. You should have your own rhythm separate from connecting other people to Jesus. Like you should be doing some maintenance on your soul. How does your soul look? How does your spirit look? How are you maintaining the upkeep in that area? How are you making sure you're staying close to Christ? Because you also have that responsibility. You've got to make sure you are filling yourself up. And it's not a selfish thing. It's just that I've got to be fresh myself. If I'm going to share the gospel, if I'm going to go and take territory, that requires work and effort. And it requires me to have, you know, what I need in order to do that effectively. And that starts with you having your own rhythm with Christ, right? It's not just about knowing of God, but it's about knowing him for yourself. If you don't fill your cup up, you can't fill anyone else's. You can't pour out to anyone else because you are running on empty. And the enemy would want nothing more than for you to run on empty so that you burn yourself out. And that way that bridge is now torn down and people who are connected to you, that, that their purpose in your life is for you to connect them to Jesus will miss that connection point. Right. The enemy would love nothing more than for you to be broken down yourself and beaten down yourself. So as much as you are helping other people come and find Christ, you got to be really thoughtful and mindful about your own life and your own interactions with Jesus. Make sure you don't compromise your own rhythm. Make sure you don't compromise your time with God. Make sure you don't, you don't focus more attention outwardly and you forget about your inward self. Like you have a responsibility to make sure that you are staying and walking close to Christ. 
So make sure you're doing some upkeep. And the last thing we'll share um, today is, is, is this point, this, this idea that bridges don't discriminate. Bridges don't discriminate. There is not a bridge in the world, well maybe, in the world that has conditions for individuals going over the bridge. There's not a bridge in the world, and again, maybe, I don't know, but there's not a bridge in the world or bridges are not meant to discriminate against people. So it's not, oh, you are too far from Christ, so I, I can't get you to Christ. Oh, no, you've sinned too much, so there's no hope for you to even, uh, there's no point in me even connecting you or trying to connect you. That There's no such thing in the kingdom of God. There is no such thing as someone who is so far gone or so deep that Jesus is not willing to reach that person. And so as a bridge, I can't discriminate who I'm going to connect to Jesus. I can't discriminate who I'm going to talk to and who I'm going to present Jesus to. Every single person that I encounter in my life is an opportunity for me to build a bridge from them to Jesus. Every single person. Even the person that's talked about me, even the person that's done me wrong, even the person that's looked at me crazy, that still is my responsibility. That person still needs the love and the peace and the comfort of Jesus Christ. And maybe the challenge and the test of my faith is whether or not I'm willing to introduce even that person to Jesus. Because yes, I, I want to be upset and I want to be angry because this person has done me dirty for so many years. So yes, I don't want to bring them to Jesus. I don't want to talk to them about Jesus. I don't want to talk to them at all. But maybe that is God's way of testing your faith and just trying to see if you trust him. Do you trust me enough that even when individuals who talk about you dirty need something, that you are willing to be there for them? Because even that person needs Jesus. As a matter of fact, they probably need Jesus more than anyone else. So are you willing, even with that person, to build a bridge to get them closer to Jesus? That's such a test of maturity. That's such a test of maturity when you can go to the person who's, who's talked about you or the person who is your arch nemesis and still introduce Jesus to them. When you can go to that, that manager or supervisor that's, that's treated you unfairly and still in their time of need and hurt and, and, and their sadness, bring them some peace in the form of Jesus Christ. That is such a test of your maturity and really what I think God wants to get from all of us, that regardless of who our neighbor is, that I am loving that person. I can't create stipulations or conditions for who my neighbor is. Every single person that God has created, every human being, you can count as your neighbor. And so we have a responsibility to those people, regardless of who they are, regardless of their background, regardless of their history in our lives or in other people's lives, regardless of all of those facts, we cannot discriminate. We still have to build bridges to get them to Jesus. Bridges, they don't, they don't care what you look like. They don't care about color. They don't care about weight. They don't care about history. They don't care about lifestyle. All they care about is helping you get from point A to point B. How can I be that same person? Which means that I remove judgment of other people, right? It's not my job to judge people. Oh, I don't know if this person is ready for Jesus. I don't know if this person has gotten their life together yet. I don't know if this person will even care. That's not my job. Again, my job is to come and introduce Jesus and the Holy Spirit will do the rest. Yeah. 
So I remove judgment, I remove any labels, I remove any conditions, and all I do is try to be a bridge to help people get over their troubles and get over their problems. Myself, with the help of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, we work as a team to help people get over, regardless of their backgrounds, regardless of their histories. We don't discriminate. We, are, we, we build bridges. We are bridges. And our sole purpose is to help people come to find Jesus. So again, we, we're going back to the beginning of this message and talking about the queen. And it's, it's kind of funny that her, her death code is, well, it's not funny, but it's, her death code is in London bridges. And it's like, at the end of the day, when people come to know you, when people come to build relationships with you, the, the important part is not, is, is not, the important part is, is what you are giving to that individual, right? It's what you are sharing. It's what you are helping them with. It's, it's how you are serving others. It's how you are impacting their lives. Not about how they're influencing yours or impacting yours. It's, it's about how you are impacting and influencing theirs. So here you have a queen who was on the throne for 70 years that came in contact with so many people who so many people considered, you know, I, I served the queen and I was a citizen under the queen and, and all of these people that she impacted. How can, we, how can we influence and impact others in our lives? How can we have a greater impact on people? I don't, I don't know what the queen did for people, but I can tell you if she wasn't introducing people to Jesus, then her impact will fail in comparison to the impact that you have when you bridge the gap between someone and their lonely places and you bridge that gap to Jesus for them. That impact, that influence outweighs any type of influence or impact that a hundred years as a monarchy can have. And so as we live, we have to be thoughtful about building bridges, influencing people, impacting people's lives for good and for God. I want to read this, uh, this last, this, this little uh, poem. There's a poem called The, the Bridge Builder by this gentleman. And I, and I want to read this because I think it's really cool and really important. And it kind of um, is a nice way to end how we should be impacting people's lives with the gospel. But here's what it says. It says, an old man going a lone highway came at the evening cold and gray to a chasm vast and deep and wide through which was flowing a sullen tide. The old man crossed in the twilight dim. The sullen stream had no fear for him, but he turned when safe on the other side and built a bridge to span the tide. So this old man, he's building, he, he crosses over this area. And then instead of leaving, he builds a bridge. And then someone else comes and says, old man, said a fellow pilgrim near, you are wasting your strength with building here. Your journey will end with the ending day. You never again will pass this way. You've crossed the tra chasm deep and wide. Why build this bridge at evening tide? The builder lifted his old gray head. Good friend, in the path I have come, he said, there followed after me today a youth whose feet must pass this way. This chasm that has been as naught to me, to that fair-haired youth may a pitfall be. He too must cross the twilight dim. Good friend, I am building this bridge for him. So this man who, this old man, he has gone through this difficult road. And in crossing that difficult road, he realizes on the other end, man, I need to build a bridge 
so that the next person, this younger person who comes behind me, won't have to travel the same, uh, the same terrain, but it might be easier. And this guy's asking, why are you building this bridge? Why are you? And he's saying, I'm doing it all for this next generation. I'm doing it for this next person. How are we building bridges in our lives that will help the next generation get through certain things easier than we had to get through it? How are we helping the next person? How are we supporting not only our, our peers, not only our, our age group, but how are we supporting the next generation as well? How are we making sure that the lessons that we've learned over time, we can help someone else from the lessons that we've learned? At the end of the day, the building the bridge is not just for us. It's not just about our lives. It's not just, and, I, and I've said this over and over, our salvation is not just for ourselves. It's not just about me. It's not just about me being saved, but it's about helping other people come to know Jesus. Very rarely is it just about me. For me, it's about my kids. It's about family. It's about friends. It's about coworkers. It's about helping not just myself come to know Jesus and be closer to, be, to Jesus, but it's also helping other people come to know Jesus. That is, that is salvation in its truest form. Right. Because when I've come to know who Jesus is, when I've been saved, I know that I have a purpose to now return the return the favor, excuse me, to other people. And I do that by sharing the gospel, by sharing the life of Jesus Christ. So when we take ourselves out of the equation, when we stop thinking about ourselves and we really start focusing on other people, it helps us be more responsible and more engaged and more intentional about building this bridge. In the same way this old man in the poem was thoughtful about who is gonna come after me and who is gonna need this bridge when they need to come this way, we have to be thoughtful in the same manner. Every head bowed and every eye closed today. Thank you for tuning in to today's message. I hope it blessed you and pray that whatever you take away today gets sown deep into your heart and you apply it to your day-to-day -day life. If it was as good to you as it was good to me, please share this message with someone and let's continue to grow together. Part of our vision here at The Grove is to be givers like Christ. If you were blessed by today's message and you wanna partner with us in your giving, all you have to do is text GIVE to 844-831-4106 or visit yourgrowthchurch.org slash give. If you're looking for a community to be a part of, we would love for you to call the Grove Church home. And to get connected to us, you can simply text GO to 844-813-5747 or shoot us a DM on one of our social media platforms. I pray blessings over you wherever you are and wherever you go and can't wait for you to join us next time. Peace.